economist Benjamin Grimm once said, the investor's chief problem and even his worst enemy is likely to be himself. This quote captures perfectly that tendency for investors to act irrationally and in ways that are contrary to their own interests. Over the past few decades, an entire academic discipline has sprung up on this topic, behavioral finance, which is the study of the influence of psychology on investor behavior. While we investors would like to think we always carefully weigh our options and sensibly choose the ones that offer the most benefit, the fact that, that we often don't, it turns out that real people aren't even really good at identifying options, let alone choosing the right one. We tend to misinterpret information and miscalculate simple statistical probabilities, and we react to events in emotional and often counterproductive ways. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome back, everybody, to the How Is My Financial Health Doc podcast, and I am your host, Vu Ketran. Today, we're going to talk more about behavioral finance and talk about another behavior that makes the investor their worst enemy. I have a good friend with me today, and his name is Chris Rugel. Chris is a financial advisor and a portfolio manager, and he is an expert at behavioral finance because he sees all the mistakes that his clients make every single day. So I welcome Chris again back on the show to continue our conversation about behavioral finance. Today, we're going to talk about a different bias that I see very commonly among my colleagues as well. And this bias is loss aversion. Let's come to the uh, cognitive bias and the mistake of loss aversion, because that has some to do with risk. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And what do you commonly see? Uh, so one of the things that I think people should understand uh, is that there is a difference between loss aversion and risk aversion. Risk aversion can be a good thing. And you and I have discussed this in length before. Recognizing what your true risk tolerance is is very important for yourself and also for your advisor. One of the common mistakes that I see, especially when I meet new clients, is that they don't actually uh, are able to verbalize accurately their true risk tolerance. Everybody wants to double their money in the markets, but no one realizes the risk that you have to take in order to do that. What distinguishes that from loss aversion is that risk aversion is simply a general bias. You know, you can take some risk, but you need the risk premium to go with it, the reward. Whereas loss aversion is more about an aversion, to so, uh, such an aversion to losing money that you almost wind up like a deer and caught in the headlights. Paralyzed. Um, your emotional reaction to losing money is so strong that you almost don't want to take any action at all. Mm. So that's 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 the the challenge or the risk when you have loss aversion. Now, 
one of the things that winds up happening when you have these emotional reactions to investing is that you wind up in a situation that I refer to as buying high and selling low, which yes. is a combination of uh, uh, herd mentality and loss aversion, right? Yeah. The herd mentality causes you to buy high, yeah. right? Causes you to buy GameStop at $400. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the loss aversion causes you to make decisions about selling in the market that probably aren't prudent. You know, why would anybody buy high? In hindsight, it sounds silly, but in the moment, the emotions get caught up in it. And again, we're talking about FOMO and, and FOMO is what drives bubbles, whether it be a tech bubble, whether it be a real estate bubble, that's, that's what drives FOMO. So I, I have um, a great story about uh, uh, buying high and selling low. Well, you know, buying low is a, is a particularly, uh, sorry, buying high and selling low is a particularly nasty habit because investors have to fight off that emotion. You know, we're all humans. And so we're driven by that. Uh, and most of the money that we make is for our families, right? It's, it's yeah. for the benefit of our families and perhaps even the legacy of our, of our, of our future family. Uh, so with all that pressure, losing money, uh, it feels like we're throwing away years of effort um, towards those goals of protecting our family and growing that, that, that patrimony. Mr. Mr. Buffett gives us some great advice here, right? I was about to say, yes. <laughs> right. his, his two, you know what his two rules of investing are, right? Yes. Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't break rule number one. <laughs> right. Remember rule number one. So if at all possible, and it's not always possible, you know, you should avoid losing money. That makes sense. Um, because gaining back what we lose is very difficult, right? I use the two for one rule. It's a very general rule. It's not mathematically completely accurate, but the rule that I use is whatever you lose, it's going to be twice as hard to get back. Right? If I lose 50% in a portfolio, then to get back to the starting point, I need to generate 100%, not 50%. That's two for one. Yeah. Not only that, but you're also losing the opportunity of that time that it takes to get back there. Yeah. Right. So we can agree that losing bad is is so that, that losing is bad. However, to make losing even worse, it is in a moment of fear or panic uh, to sell at that low and then stand pat. And that happens quite often. That's where that emotion comes in and that deer in the headlights happens. Uh, the market overall has always shown resilience. Now, how quickly it recovers varies. Right. In 2020, it's a very quick recovery. Yeah. The S&P from its lows in March is up like 80%, something like that. But in 1929, for example, it took, I think it was like eight years or something along R those lines. Close to 10, yeah. Or, or even more. I can't remember. I think, yeah. I think I heard maybe by the 50s, it was back to where it, so it, was, it was in 1929. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Either way, it can take years. In 2008, it took about three years for the market, at least the index, to recover back to where it was before. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that individual securities, uh, investments, and asset classes don't are all going to bounce back at the same rate. And right. I think that's what the opportunity is. That's a different conversation. So what I'm referring to are the people who are invested in a general way, whether it be mutual funds, ETFs, individual stocks. It, they sometimes at the absolute worst worst times they have sold out out of fear and stay out of the markets. So I have a particular friend who this happened to. I hope they don't mind that I'm sharing this story. But they owned uh, a, a substantial amount of Air Canada stock. And Air Canada obviously has suffered substantially during this pandemic. All airlines have. 
Um, at the end of 2019, Air Canada was around $50 trading per share. By March of 2020, it was 15. Yeah. That kind of drop is difficult to see. It's difficult to manage. No one is going to blame you for experiencing that kind of loss. That's simply the world that we live in. However, they sold at 15. Oh. Mm. at the low of the lows. And I don't really believe that selling Air Canada 15 was the actual error. It hurts, but I don't think that that was the worst thing that they did. The worst thing that they did was they stood pat. So you had a, a, a book of, of investments that was worth $50 per share. It went down to 15. You sold and stayed there. We just mentioned that the S&P has recovered 70, 80% or has, sorry, that it's returned over the last, uh, since it's low as 70 or 80%. So just being in an index fund, you would have more than recovered what you lost in Air Canada. Yeah. Right? And so I believe the mistake was panicking, being a deer caught in headlights and, and not being involved in the markets. I think a really simple strategy at that time would have been to maybe put it into a technology ETF and let it sit there for a year. Yeah. And you would have done very, very well. So that inactivity is what is the biggest problem. And that is the emotional side saying, I don't want to lose any more. And so you don't do anything and then you don't participate in the upside. And that happens often. Going back again to our favorite investor, Warren Buffett, he says, should you find yourself chronically in, in a chronically leaking boat, energy devoted to changing vessels is likely to be more productive than energy devoted to patching leaks. Mm. So shifting, making adjustments, that, that, that's really important. And maybe changing your overall investment uh, thesis, perspective. You know, the, the paradigm changes, Yeah. right? 2020 changed our world completely. You know, whatever we thought about how to invest pre-2020, it probably is a good time for us to reevaluate how we should be investing post-2020. And I mean, that happened. Well, I mean, a good example, you were talking in the 1929, it took what, let's say 10, 12 years to recuperate. Whereas from March, 2020, all it took was six months for the market to come back. Right. Right. So there's a whole new paradigm right now in the market and we're, we're not seeing the same thing. One quote that I really love from Warren Buffett, which really talks about, you know, buying high and selling low, this mistake that we make is that when the market ex is exuberant, you should be fearful. And when the market is fearful, you should be exuberant. And I think that really counters the idea that people are constantly buying high and selling low. And so it comes to the idea of not following herd mentality, FOMO. Um, when other people are really bullish, you should be bearish. And when people are bearish, you should be bullish. And that, that contrarian mentality is probably what should keep you out of trouble and keep you out of herd mentality. But it's difficult to do. Absolutely. It's difficult to do. And that's the challenge. That's why discipline is so important. So that goes back to that herd mentality conversation that we were having. Everybody is in a trade. That's when my rule of thumb says, get out, right? Exactly. Everybody was in gold in 2011. Get out. Uh, in fact, you know, at this point, we're looking at gold and saying, oh, it looks like there might be an opportunity. Who's in gold right now? Gold was a great trade back in 2020, the first part of 2020, um, and it did did very well. But it seems to be out of favor 
uh, over the last six months, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, it's weakened off, but why not take a look at it now? We will have more episodes discussing behavioral finance in future episodes. So please stay tuned. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.